Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I am the Bill Arnold part of that short sentence. I've got a great hour planned for you, and my my guest uh, coming up is an overachiever, from what I can tell. She is an internationally acclaimed recording artist, a worship leader, a practicing attorney, and a music professor. And she does other things, too. She writes a book. She wrote a book called Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith, while grieving, and she shares in the book her profound journey of holding on to faith while dealing with loss. I'm very glad to have her on the program. Um, her name is Tori Paris. Hello, Tori. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, is Overachiever a, a fair descriptor for you? <laughs> yes, sir. I would say that is a little bit accurate. <laughs> a little bit of a driver, a little bit of a perfectionist, a little bit of all of that. Unfortunately so. I come by it honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. So sometimes you pray and pray and pray and you don't get the answer you're looking for, do you? No, uh, and that is very evident in, in our story that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, well, I would love to hear. Uh, it involves um, someone very close to you. If you would, please share it. Yeah, so just to kind of give us an intro, when I was 25 years old, this happened uh, three years ago, because yesterday was actually my 28th birthday. So Happy we are, birthday. thank you. Um, we are taking a journey back in time. Um, my dad was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer during the middle of the COVID pandemic when the world shut down. And he was actually diagnosed the week of the COVID shutdown. And so there were a lot of treatment options that were no longer available to us. He wasn't a candidate for any of the the normal treatment options, which they're very few and far between for the type of cancer he had. But they weren't even doing experimental things. There There was no trial that we could participate in. And the doctors told us that there was nothing they could do. They sent us home and, you know, said, get your affairs in order. Mm. And that was something really hard for our family to hear. My dad was really young. He had just turned 63 and he and my mom were high school sweethearts. They fell in love as teenagers, dated throughout high school, got married young, went to law school together, raised me and my brother together. They'd been married over 30 years. It was all that my mom knew. And all of a sudden, our entire world stopped. And, you know, it wasn't just our world stopping, the world stopped because it was COVID. Mm -hmm. And so everyone shut down. And it was this moment where we were thrown into isolation. We were thrown into this anticipatory grief because we knew what was coming and there was nothing we could do to stop it absent a miracle of God. And so our family decided that instead of becoming angry with the Lord, that we were going to press in deeper to Him, and we were going to beg and plead with Him for a miracle. And we did. 
all the way until the very last day. We believed for that miracle. And, you know, God chose to answer our prayers differently than we expected, differently than we wanted. And it came it came as a shock to us. I fully 100% had believed God was going to do this miraculous thing and heal my dad here for all of us to see. And, oh, what a testimony that would have been. But he chose to do something different. And so this book is a look into um, from the time my dad was diagnosed, walking through the journey, my dad going on to hospice care, um, you know, us losing him, uh, going through the funeral, and then the aftermath, what that looked like. And honestly, for me, wrestling with some really big questions, some really hard questions, and asking God why over and over again. Mm. Tori, I'm so sorry that you lost your dad. He sounds like a completely amazing and lovely man. What was uh, his first name? His name was Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sounds amazing. And I'm I'm sorry for your loss and your mother and your brother and you and all of your extended family. So you start into this grieving process. Uh, what did you experience, especially something that you maybe didn't expect? Yeah, for us, grief hit early. You know, because we were told he's going to die. And especially being a young girl, hearing somebody say those words, it, it takes a little while for them to filter in. I, um, like you mentioned before, I'm a musician, I'm a singer. I had grown up singing at people's funerals. Mm-hmm. I had been to hundreds of funerals to sing Amazing Grace or, you know, to sing these beautiful old hymns, but they were people I wasn't very close to. They were people I didn't know. And hearing that I was going to have to plan my dad's funeral with no warning, um, that was shocking to me. And it, it completely rocked me to my core. So for us, we started grieving long before my dad ever passed. And that was, that was really difficult to explain to the people around us as well, because we knew what was coming And we had to figure out how to navigate our faith versus what we're being told. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really difficult journey. And there were some moments where I got pretty angry at God for anybody who, who reads through the book, you'll see that I had, I had these moments where I just began to ask God, why, why us, why are you letting this happen? Why are you not moving and doing a miracle for us? And, Maybe you've been there. (laughs) Um, Maybe some of your listeners have been there, but that's a really difficult place to be. And I learned a lot through it. I learned that God is faithful even when I don't feel like he is. Mm. And he is still God. Even, Even when I don't see it, he's working all things together for our good. Mm-hmm. Tori Paris this is my guest. Her book is Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving. Uh, Tori, you're, you're starting to mourn the loss of your dad while he was still alive, and yet you were still praying for a miracle. How were you holding those two things in your head? Um, I'll be honest with you. I feel like my mom did a much better job of it than <laughs> okay. I did. Yeah. <laughs> my, my mom kind of stepped up and tried to be our rock. She, she held on to faith even when it didn't make sense, mm-hmm. you know? And 
there were moments where that annoyed me. There were moments where I was frustrated with her and I would say things like, how can you not accept what's happening? You need to accept reality so that we can, we can get a plan together, you know? Um, but she was just adamant that she was going to trust in God. And I remember there was one day particularly, we have this beautiful meadow of wildflowers out beside our house. And I went walking out into the field because I was going to have a come to Jesus meeting with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I needed him to answer me. So I went out into this field and I just began to scream at God and say, where are you? Jesus, answer me. Oh. Right. I wanted to hear him talk. I wanted to hear his voice. So he had to stand accountable. I wanted him to explain it to me, you know, and um, I had one of those Job encounters. If anybody's ever read through the book of Job, you you know what I'm talking about, where he just begins to ask God why. And I started screaming Jesus over and over, just out of anger, because he wouldn't answer me. But the longer I screamed his name, the more times I said Jesus, I realized that my shouts of anger began to change into these cries of adoration Mm. and I just fell to my knees in this field and I was so overwhelmed with with many different emotions you know I was angry but at the same time I knew that he was good and faithful and I had been taught all of these scriptures since I was a young girl you know I had the the joy and honor that I was raised in church my family had been in church for generations we were at church whether we wanted to be or not, you know, (laughs) we didn't have an option. And so I had heard these scriptures. I had sang these songs. I had preached messages about his faithfulness, but it came down to, was I actually going to believe what I'd been taught or was I going to turn my back on it? And I had a moment where I had to make that decision. And I just began to cry out and apologize to God for, for my arrogance in asking him, you know, How do you think you can let this happen to us when really he's sovereign over everything? Mm -hmm. His ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. He sees the big picture. His word says that he is just a lamp into my path to show me the next step, right? I don't get to see the big picture. Um, And so I just had to figure out a way to trust in him. And I'll be honest, I struggled with that even after dad passed for months. You can, you can ask my family. They will attest to it. I was very frustrated. Um, but the truth is, He is God, and I'm not. And as many times as I wish He would ask for my opinion, and trust me, I would tell Him, and I'd be <laughs> good at telling Him what to do if He'd ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he, he is God, and He doesn't ask our opinion. Yeah. We just have to learn to trust Him and know that he is working all things together for our good. Tori, I'm going to ask something. You can very easily say no to me if you want to. But, okay. Uh, I'm going to go to break, and I usually I play bumper music, but would you be willing to sing uh, just a little a cappella of Amazing Grace as we go into bumper? Oh, sure. I would love to. And Amazing Grace How the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once 
found was blind, but now I see. Just beautiful. Tori Paris is my guest. Her book is Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving. That was her singing. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill Arnold. You might be the kind of person that goes to Paris and still listens to Faith Radio on the app. Or you might be more like the person that goes into the next room in your apartment and listens. The good news is, is using the app is just as easy in both places. Downloading the free app is crazy easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. And if you happen to be in Paris, there is a really nice little coffee shop not far from the Eiffel Tower that serves a really nice chocolate biscotti. If you just joined me, my guest is Tori Paris, and she just sang Amazing Grace, and I just discovered that my ratings went up 82% in the last two and a half minutes. So I am so pleased. Tori, thank you for doing that. That was absolutely beautiful. Oh, well, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. It's an honor anytime. Well, I put you on the spot, but you're a pro, obviously, and I appreciate you um, saying yes. So thank you for doing that. Let's talk a little bit about grieving and mourning. Um, there are verses like in Matthew 5, 4 that said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Were you comforted when you had lost your dad? Oh, goodness. You know, I resented that verse for a really long time because I did not feel, oh, I did not feel blessed at all. I felt anything but blessed. In fact, the very beginning of my book, I tell you, I didn't feel blessed. I felt cheated. Hmm. Um. I felt like I was cheated out of so many memories. You know, I had these big dreams of one day what it would be like when my dad got to meet my future children. I had always pictured my parents growing old together. And, you know, I'm here in the South in Alabama, and I just always imagined them sitting in rocking chairs on the front porch as they aged together. And I I had all of those dreams ripped from me. So I did not feel blessed at all. Um, And it took me a really long time to get to the point where I felt blessed in my morning. But I'll tell you what really shifted my perspective. And that is this, that love and grief are two sides of the same precious coin, Mm -hmm. right? You're never going to have grief if you didn't have a true love with someone. And the deeper that our mourning was, the more painful that our grief was to me just became evidence of how great my dad loved me and how wonderful of a father he was. And, you know, I was singing in a prison, um, which I know sounds funny, but I had gone there on, on a missions work and we were singing in this prison and there was someone that came to me and she explained that she was raised in a Jewish faith, actually. And she said there was something that they would, they would say to one another um, whenever they had lost someone they cared about. And she told me she wanted to speak it as a blessing over me. 
And she said, may his memory become a blessing. And, you know, for so long, it was hard to think about the memories with my dad. It was hard to look at pictures of us together and and not feel tears welling up in my eyes. It was hard to talk about him and not be full of emotion. But I will tell you this. I am so thankful for the relationship that we did have because it has made me so grateful for the memories. And those memories have become my most cherished blessings. There, there are moments I can look back on and I can really see just how, how blessed I was that God gave him to us for the time that he did. That's beautiful. Tori Paris is my guest. Her book is called Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving. The good news is I've got three copies that I can give away if you want to get in on the drawing to win one of Tori's books. You can text the word book to 877 933 2484. Again, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. You know, Tori, whenever you come alongside someone who's mourning, you always feel like you want to say just the right thing. And I don't know how well people do with that. What are some things that you should not say to someone who's mourning? Well, I'll, oh goodness, this is such a sticky question. <laughs> Um, because I'm guilty of it. There have been so many times as a, as a young girl before experiencing this that I said these very things to people. Um, right after we lost my dad, going into his funeral, people kept coming up to us, even at his funeral, standing beside the casket, and they would say things like, how are you doing? And I wanted to look at them and say, do you really want to know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did you even ask that? We're burying my dad. How do you think I'm doing? <laughs> um, and, you know, that may be a little too honest to say out loud, but it would make me so angry. I had been conditioned and trained better than that. So I would invariably say back to them things like, we're going to be okay. Thank you for asking, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't feel okay. I didn't feel like we were going to make it. Um, and so that that was kind of difficult for us. Another thing that, that made it a little tricky um, is we would have people all of the time that would say, oh, he's in a better place. You wouldn't want him back. You wouldn't call him back if you could. And I wanted to look at them and say, I think you don't understand how selfish I really am. Yes, I want him back. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. love for my dad to be back. He mm-hmm. is my daddy, and I want him here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I've just learned to really come alongside people in their in their grief and tell them, hey, I know what you're going through, and it's okay to be hurting right now. If you need someone to pray with you, I'm here. Mm. If you need someone to support you, I'm here. If you need somebody to vent to and yell at, I'm here. <laughs> Um, and I think it's really beautiful that in our suffering, in our pain, we're not alone. You know, God comes along beside us as well. We have friends and family we can lean on, but really the Holy Spirit is there with us. If you have chosen Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that means He is in you. He is with you. He is walking through it all right beside you. And to me, that has brought so much comfort. Mm-hmm. Tori Paris is my guest. Her book, again, is Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving. I've got three 
beautiful copies to give out, 877-933-2484. Text the word BOOK to that number, 877-933-2484. Now, we joked a little bit early on in the interview, Tori, that you are kind of a, a, a very motivated person, like to get a lot of things done, you're organized. But what about when you're dealing with so much that's beyond your control? What do you, how do you pray or what scripture do you go to? Oh, goodness. Yeah, I, um, I am a type A person. <laughs> I love to have a plan. I live by my calendar. My checklist goes with me every <laughs> single day. Mm-hmm. And because of all of the hats that I juggle, I have to do that, right? I've got to have a plan. It's really hard when you don't have control especially when you're slightly a control freak like I am. Um, maybe maybe you're like that, maybe you're not. But um, what I have to come back to is that Psalms 139 tells us this, that he knows when we go, he knows when we come, he knows when we go to lay down at night, he knows when we rise, he knows every thought in our head, he knows every word before it forms on our tongue. He knows everything about us, right? And a God that loves us so much that He intimately, intricately formed us in our mother's womb. He knew all of our days before they came to be. The thoughts He has for us outnumber the grains of sand on the seashores. You know, how can we look at a God that loves us like that and not trust Him? Mm-hmm. And I keep going back to Psalms 139 because all throughout that passage, over and over again, the writer is saying just how infinitely amazing God is. But when you get down to the very last verse, you know what it says? Search me, O God, and test me. Point out every anxious thought I have. Show me if there's anything in my life that's not pleasing to you and lead me in the way of your everlasting life. Because that, the writer of that psalm acknowledges that for as amazing and infinite and beautiful the Creator God is, we still have those anxious thoughts. We still wrestle with doubts. We still trip up and we mess up. And we still doubt Him. We still doubt His goodness. Mm-hmm. But He says, test me, God. Search me and point them out to me so that I can repent of those thoughts and so that I can be shown your way because your way is better. Mm-hmm. Tori, just about 30 seconds left, but why is joy a perspective, not a choice? Well, you know, we see choose joy everywhere. For some people, especially me, joy was not a choice. I would love to have chosen joy and held on to it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel joyful in those moments. But you know what Scripture tells us? That Jesus, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross. He had the perspective of heaven. He had the perspective that one day his children would be with him again. And I think when we shift our eyes and we look up, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When we shift our gaze heavenward, we're able to really find joy and the fullness of joy, knowing that we'll be with Christ one Mm -hmm. day. Tori, you made our day better. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy and an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tori Paris has been my guest. Her book is called Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving. I've got three copies of her book to give out, so text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484, and you'll get in on the drawing to win one of her books, Love is Never 
lost. We'll take a break, and then when we come back, author Scott Hubbard is going to join the program. He's written an article at DesiringGod.org called Love the Place You Want to Leave. We'll be right back. So glad once again to be back with Scott Hubbard. He's an editor at DesiringGod.org. And as always, he brings incredible content to the show. And I know you love the content he brings because I hear from you. So thank you for uh, always letting me know that you like my guests and you like what they bring. Scott's, uh, an, you can find his writing at DesiringGod.org. I encourage you to go take a look. We're going to talk today about... Uh, Loving the Place You Leave. That's the title of his article that's right now up at Desiring God. As always, leave it up to Scott to give us a provocative title. Love the Place You Want to Leave. Maybe you woke up this morning and you found yourself in a place you wanted to leave. We're going to talk about that. Scott, welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be here, Bill. Thank you. As always, I look forward to our time together. And once again, you've 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 provoked and you have... Uh, You've made me very interested in this article because uh, maybe maybe there maybe you're in you moved here for work and but your heart's still in the place you left. Yeah, yeah. There's all all kinds of scenarios where you wake up today and you want to be somewhere else. That's one that comes to mind. We're in a mobile society now, and a lot of people have left home, find themselves in a new place for school or work, or perhaps even more difficult, find themselves in a place for school or work because their spouse needed to move yeah. one of those things my wife is a transplant <laughs> because of my school and work here so she knows about that but then there are people too who haven't moved actually and that's that's the reason they want to leave they they've never moved they're at home they've been in the place where they were born their whole life they know the place up and down in and out it's and, a wonderful life with jimmy stewart yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. bedford falls he wants to get out of bedford falls because yeah. you know it's every nook and cranny of the whole yeah. town yeah that's right yeah that's right and that's that can feel just as hard, um, and then then you know one scenario that comes to mind, or really it's all kinds of scenarios that might fit into this. But there are times for some people where everywhere you look, it's just a reminder of a more of a happier time that you used to live here with a family with happy children, and for for whatever reason, any number of dozens or hundreds of reasons, that life is is gone, and so it just Every street, every tree, every store is a little reminder of what you've mm. lost. Boy, that's that's difficult as well. So I know there's some incredible s- stories from Scripture that we can apply to this scenario, and we can find comfort in these stories. Yeah, yeah, we can. And it's interesting because a lot of the story of Scripture is a story of going or leaving or packing up your your suitcase and heading out. That's the story right from the beginning, actually. Adam and Eve, Yeah, their charge was to fill the earth, uh, take dominion over not only the Garden of Eden, but beyond that to expand it. And then you see Abraham leaving Ur of the Chaldeans and going to Canaan. You see the apostles leaving Jerusalem. Yeah, uh, Paul and Barnabas leaving Antioch. Yeah. So there's all these leavings. And of course, there's Jesus Israel. telling us, go, go. Yeah, yeah Israel, Israel leaving, leaving Egypt. Egypt, yeah. That's right. And at the same time, 
woven throughout the storyline of Scripture, there are these less memorable stayings where people remain in a place and are actually supposed to do that. So Isaac, Abraham's son, you know, Abraham, this sojourner who left his home, but Isaac's job is to stay there. And Timothy, the spiritual child of this missionary, on-the-go missionary Paul, his job, at least for a time, as Paul writes First Timothy, is to remain at Ephesus. He's supposed to stay. That's mm-hmm. what the faithful thing is. And then the story that really captured my interest and imagination and heart was the story of the Israelites exiled in Babylon, really, really wanting to go home, and understandably so, but God telling them in Jeremiah 29, you're going to stay there. Yeah, expand on that story a little bit. Scott, for those who are wondering, why were you so intrigued with that? Yeah, well, I'm intrigued by it, particularly because of what God says here in this letter to the exiles that Jeremiah communicates to these Israelites in Babylon. But it's, it's, it's surprising on a number of levels. If you're an Israelite, if you're a faithful Israelite, Babylon is just one of the last places that you want to be. It's a step backward. It's not in the plan. It's not the place you want to settle down and raise children. It's clearly not in in line with what God's intentions and plan was, you know, spoken earlier in the storyline of scripture that they were to be in Canaan, be a light to the nations, that kind of thing. So they're sent there. God sends them there because of their disobedience, because of breaking the covenant. But then once they're there, and there's actually these, self-styled prophets, people calling themselves prophets who are telling all the Israelites, we're going to go home soon. You know, they're, they're raising the expectations and hopes that they aren't going to be in Babylon for long. And then this letter through Jeremiah from God comes telling them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives, and have sons and daughters. And he goes on. There's basically this little, this command to settle in, <laughs> get comfortable. Do life. And love this place that you really want to leave. Yeah. Wow. That's a very profound message. Uh, they found themselves stuck in an undesired land. Yes. And yet right. God commanded them to live life. Yeah. It wasn't the forever, right? It's 70 years. That's, that seems God like forever, doesn't yeah, it? I mean, it's a lifetime. Yeah. So it, it would, it would feel like forever, you know, experientially it would be a, some, some, some of these people's whole lives. But so it was 70 years. It wasn't the end game. God was going to bring his people back. He was going to send his son. Jesus was going to come and the promises would be fulfilled that God spoke through Abraham and after him. But yeah, for 70 years, God's telling them the plan right now is for you to settle into this. Mm-hmm. God knew what he was doing and yep. he had a plan yep. and he uh, told them, go live your life. That's right. <laughs> okay. So uh, Scott Hubbard is my guest. You can learn more about Scott at desiringgod.org. Uh, Scott, you do say in your article, love the place you want to leave. How often we need a similar reminder when we wake up far from the home of our desires. For whatever circumstances brought us there, here, a job offer, an urgent family need, our own birth, even our own misguided judgment, a hand beyond our own has been at work. Yeah. And this is the initial shock of what God says to Jeremiah, to the Israelites in 29.4, Jeremiah, he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile, which (laughs) would have been surprising because anyone looking at the scene from the outside would have 
known, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he came, he broke down that wall, he brought his army, he brought the people of Israel into exile. God doesn't say to all the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar has sent into exile. He says, all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. So there's this hidden hand of God's providence, even behind this most painful event Mm -hmm. of the people's city being destroyed, the temple being burned down, that ultimately the hand that led them to this place was God's own, (laughs) which isn't to say that in our own circumstances, we're always in the right place. Uh, You know, that tomorrow he wouldn't call us to go somewhere else or, and it's not to say that perhaps there are things even to repent of for why we ended up where we are today. Maybe we made mistakes in the past. Maybe we brought ourselves to this place and there are things that we need to um, repent of and realize, oh, I shouldn't have made that decision. I got myself into a mess. I don't imagine that's a lot of people's story, but even in that case, there's this realization that you can't escape the providence of God, which has you here where you are, at least for today. Amen to that. Yes, God. So God never moves without purpose. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. The hand of God's providence never moves without purpose. Yeah. So talk about God as the master gardener. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Well, there's this guy, Samuel Rutherford, who was 17th century, great letter writer. He was Scottish. He's just so vivid. And he knew his own share of suffering and of being in places he wanted to leave. He knew what it was like to be confined, Mm -hmm. uh, unable to preach, you know, barred from preaching because of what he believed. He wrote in one letter, he said this, the great master gardener, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ and a wonderful providence with his own hand planted me here, where by his grace in this part of the vineyard I grow. And here I will abide till the great master of the vineyard think fit to transplant me. Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, everyone should read that and have it handy. That's right, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to think of yourself, you know, you're not um, ultimately the great determiner of your life, of mm-hmm. where you are, of what you do, but you you are a plant yeah. in the gardener's hand. And And talk about how Rutherford framed his life at Aberdeen. Yeah, so Aberdeen was the place where he was taken yeah. into confinement. And I, I imagine him having something of a smile on his face where he actually talks about it as Christ's palace at Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he said um, basically that G, the, the same Jesus who sent me to the West and South, which were where his pastoral calling was, he says, he sends me also to the North which is where Aberdeen was, <laughs> confinement. So that's just a perfect illustration of what Jeremiah is saying. You know, okay, Nebuchadnezzar took you to Babylon, but really the Lord sent you there and he has good purposes similarly mm-hmm. here. That when we, when we see the overruling providence of God where we are, it, it gives us eyes of faith, not necessarily to look around and find a drab place beautiful or a painful place not painful anymore, but to see, us, to see ourselves as plants under a master gardener and as people in the presence of Christ our King, which yeah. changes things. Scott, I, I love this article. Scott Hubbard is my guest. I'm going to give you an honorary doctorate for this article. <laughs> I, I, you laugh, but I don't know if it'll stick, but I'm going to get you one. Yeah. Why don't we try? Yeah, I mean, it'll yeah. be a certificate of some okay, kind yeah. that I'll, I'll generate. Great. You have a printer? I, you can, I, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it. And yeah. so then you can be called Dr. Hubbard if Wonderful. you want. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> Maybe just in here in the studio with me. <laughs> yeah. Because I think this is spectacular. And when... I want you to encourage everyone listening today that that the master gardener Christ um, will help you when you feel like you're in a place you don't you don't want to be. Yeah. Well, 
coming alive to the presence of God in the place where we are. <laughs> um, again, it doesn't change the actual place, but it does have a way of changing how we see it, how we experience it. You know, just this morning I was reading some of the letters of John Newton and he talked about, this is kind of a funny image, but he talked about Christians as, as snails, uh, meaning that we take our home with us wherever we go, <laughs> carry their home <laughs> on their it. back. Yeah. He was saying that we never leave the presence of God. So in a sense, our truest home is with us wherever we go, whether we stay in a place, whether we leave a place, the one who defines what home means is here. Yeah. We are in his presence if we belong to Christ. And that uh, gives not only the sense of purpose that resting in God's providence gives, you know, knowing that God was the master gardener gives, oh, there's purpose here. Knowing that God is simply with us in Christ gives us just a sense of solace and mm-hmm. comfort and companionship yeah. wherever we might be. Sometimes you just want to clean your house and then go out for dinner. You really can't do that if you're a snail. <laughs> can you? I mean, you're kind no, of stuck. You're kind of stuck. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a little break. Scott Hubbard is my guest. You can learn more about Scott at desiringgod.org. He wrote this article in May called Love the Place You Want to Leave. I do always encourage you to go to desiringgod.org and check it out. Scott Hubbard is my guest. We'll take a short break and be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. So glad to be back with Scott Hubbard. He's uh, joining here in studio. He is a a writer, editor at DesiringGod.org. I love going to DesiringGod.org. There's a wealth of spectacular articles written by godly people that are... um, really do a wonderful job. Scott's one of them. Scott, we're talking today about love the place you want to leave. And in your article, you talk about souls with packed boxes and this wonderful passage in Jeremiah 29, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. That sounds like God commanded them to, to uh, live life well. Yeah, that's right. Where, right where he had them. Right where he had them. Mm-hmm. And there, as we mentioned earlier, there were people some of the Israelites, you know, pretending to be prophets who were telling them, no, don't settle in. You're going to leave here soon. We're going back home, which I just have to imagine left a lot of people with this just sense of restless expectation, totally. not wanting to settle in, not wanting to dig their roots down deep. This image of they just the halls of their soul had packed boxes in them. Yeah. They're, they're not going to let their, uh, they're not going to try to make this place feel anything like home. Home is elsewhere. And so I'm going to just hold out. Do a holding pattern until then. Gonna, I'm not going to unpack. Living out of a suitcase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But God tells them to un, unpack the suitcase, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, like you said, build mm-hmm. family in this place. And I think that when you find yourself in a place that you want to leave, it can be very easy to live in the future, to live in the next place that you want to be. So to not live in the place you want to leave to live at least in your mind and heart in the place that you want to be, wherever that might be, even if you don't have any idea of when that might be. Mm -hmm. And so you can likewise live with this sense of the boxes are still packed. You haven't unpacked them yet. 
And there was, yeah, go ahead. Well, just the, the term restlessness when it comes to how we go about our lives. Yep. I can think of being on vacation where the last four days were raining. I was restless to go home. Yeah. And I'm on vacation. Right. Right. <laughs> we, that's just part of who we are, that restlessness. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And there was this image that I heard from a classmate in seminary that really stuck with me. He, he talked about how his wife was not sure whether she and they should really decorate their apartment because they knew they were only going to be there for a year, maybe two. So, you know, do you really invest all the time and effort to make this place feel like home? And his counsel to her was, let's put some nail holes in the wall. (laughs) Basically, Mm -hmm. yes, let's, let's try, let's do it. Let's, let's unpack the boxes. Let's put stuff up on the walls and let's dare to believe that this place, if we'll try to make it, a home that actually might feel more like a home than we're expecting. I love that. Let's make this place as much home as we can, and maybe you'll find and discover things that you never could have imagined. Yeah, because I I think it could be this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't like the place where you are, you're looking ahead to the place where you want to be, well, that kind of posture is is not going to make this place that you are right now feel like home, even if it might be even if it could be, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're not expecting it to be, you're not wanting it to be, you're not trying for it to be. Yeah. Cause one of the purposes Scott Hubbard would be in Jeremiah 29, it says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Yeah. So God has a job for you to do wherever you are. Yeah, that's right. And this really gets us above and beyond ourselves even more. So, you know, the build houses, plant, take wives and daughters, uh, or take wives and have sons and daughters. That's, that's still more or less within the realm of um, individual lives and family life. But God surprisingly actually has an even bigger priority for the exiles in Babylon. Like you said, seek the welfare of the city, which is surprising to me because you just think of the life of an exile. You've been ripped from your home. You might understandably adopt some small priorities, just make it through the day, care for your family, make sure you make a living, try to carve out some little space for peace and comfort and happiness in this place that you are. God's saying, go above and beyond that. Look outside the walls of self and family to do good, to pray for the place that you are and to seek its welfare. Mm -hmm. The story that came to my mind as I thought about this is just a striking one from the gospels in Luke eight, where the familiar story, there's this demon possessed man, whom no one can control. Jesus casts out the demons, returns him to his right mind. And when Jesus is leaving, he begs that he might go with him. That he might go with Jesus. How, how understandable. One, Jesus is the one who restored him to his right mind. Two, perhaps he wanted to leave this place that was just miserable through memory. You know, he's, his life has been ruined here. Yeah. But Jesus, instead of saying, follow me, which is what he says to, to so many people throughout the Gospels. He actually says to him, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Stay in this place that you want to leave. And don't simply care for yourself and your family there, but tell of what God has done. Stay, stay and make disciples. That's a little, you know clever way of Mm -hmm. inverting the great commission, which is not to deny what Jesus says, go and make disciples because there are people all out there, including at the ends of the earth who need to hear. And that's why we send and go. Yeah. But there's a way of remembering that worldwide mission and subtly somehow forgetting that the fields around us are ripe for harvest. 
and not believing that God would have us declare his excellencies right mm-hmm. where we are. So here's this demoniac who probably everyone is afraid of, and right. he lives in the out <laughs> as an outcast yeah. on the fringe of town. Chains can't hold him. Yep. And now all of a sudden, God says, I want you to speak the gospel into the people in your community and I want you to stay. Right. That's pretty strong. It is. And, you know, no doubt he, he, this man is, is going to be the one to make uh, perhaps the biggest impact in his community Mm -hmm. because he's in his right mind. People would be able to tell at two glances. Oh, he's, he's better. (laughs) (laughs) This this is a changed person, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And how did that happen? Yeah. And there's something there for us, isn't there? That, that, uh, yes, people around us, especially if we've been in the place where we are for a really long time and have long relationships. Yeah. They, they know stuff about us that we wish they didn't know perhaps, Uh you know, they know the messy parts of us, the sinful parts of us more deeply than people elsewhere. Um, they also can hear things from us that they might not hear from somebody else. Mm -hmm. They also can see our life progressively change by Jesus that, they wouldn't be able to see in the same kind of holistic way if they just met someone. So there are opportunities in the place where we are in our embedded relationships that we can't quite find in the same way elsewhere Mm -hmm. quickly. Scott Hubbard is my guest. You can learn more about Scott at desiringgod.org. Scott, what if we're living in a place we love? Now, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, in Christ, we're we're sojourners and, and exiles. That's right. So even if we're in a place we love. Yeah, which is this... You know, so often the way that the Lord works, the the place where we feel like we have a burden is the place where we actually are more in tune with our identity and spiritual reality. When the people of Israel heard that they were exiles, you know, heard that word, that label placed upon them to all the exiles, you know, that's how the letter of Jeremiah starts. No doubt that word would have stung. No doubt it would have felt like a thorn, but it was also a deeply true statement of reality, even in Jerusalem, that they were exiles. Because God, not their city, was always meant to be their dwelling place. And in Leviticus, God calls his people sojourners, even at home. Mm -hmm. So there's this sense of, this isn't home. (laughs) We're exiles, we're sojourners, we're aliens. And then in the New Testament, it just gets, you know, ratcheted up even. Peter, you you are sojourners and exiles. This is not our lasting home. We, we don't have here a lasting city, Hebrews 11 talks about. And so to be reminded, to, to, to be in a place that you want to leave, in some ways gets you, taps you more deeply into, oh yes, this is what, this is reality, because this isn't my home. And then it's a reminder for those who are in places that they don't want to leave, places as they love, okay, you're still in exile, mm-hmm. and home isn't here. Have you in your life, lived in places you didn't want to be in. Absolutely. Like, um, how long were you there and how miserable were you? And <laughs> and what did God teach you in that time? Well, so often it's, it's if in my own experience, the places that I don't want to be, a place becomes that because of the relationships that okay. are or are not there or that are broken or not. And so... I live in a place that in the past has been a place that I wanted to leave, that I didn't want to be. And that's largely because of what was happening relationally and that kind of thing. And what was the second part of your question? What, what was that like? Uh, how long were you there? How long? Yeah. yeah. That was probably a season of a of two, three years, okay. something like that. That's significant. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not. It's not, not four like, months. No, not four months. Yeah. That's right. Um, yes. And when you're in that season, you the the morning brings this fork, right? Where we you can you can just focus on. I really don't want to be here. I really don't want to be here. You live in the future. You live elsewhere. You don't mm-hmm. try to do very much. You don't have big ambitions for the Lord. Or this is where I am for now. It's not home. Yeah, home's coming when yeah. Christ comes. But He has things for me here, and today is not wasted. Yeah, and I love how you end your article, Scott Hubbard, at um, called "Love the Place You Want to Leave." You can go see that at DesiringGod.org. But I'd like to read it in the short amount of time we have left. It says, One day soon we will wake up in the place we have always longed for, and we will live there forever. But for now, dear Christian exile, trust the wisdom of your master gardener. Unpack the boxes, stay and make disciples, and love this place you want to leave. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, As we first started with the title of your article, Love the Place You Want to Leave, I was scratching my head a little bit. <laughs> now that I read that final line, I realize how it all fits together. Yeah. May the Lord give grace to do it. <laughs> yeah. So if you are in that situation today and you are in a place you don't love, that's okay. You can be assured that God has you there on purpose. God's master plan is in place. And every day you will be reminded that you 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 are a citizen of another kingdom and you belong to eternity with him. Yeah. But take the time, put some nails in the walls, mm-hmm. uh, plant a garden, uh, and get to know people around you and make the most of the situation God has placed you in. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Outstanding. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being here and, and uh, reminding us of how you're to love the place you want to leave. Scott Hubbard has been my guest. Scott, again, I will look forward to having you on the show again soon. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Bill. Glad you to be bet. here. Again, head over to DesiringGod.org. The name of the article is Love the Place You Want to Leave. Scott Hubbard is the author. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. I hope you have a wonderful evening. As you lay your head on the pillow, know that God is working out His plan in your life, and He loves you. I do too. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.